Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman here. Logan Paulson there. And it is time to break down the tape of Seahawks and Commanders. Of course, the 29-26 loss for Washington at the buzzer. Uh, we broke down the two-minute drive that ended it all yesterday on take five but logan let's start today's podcast with a larger look at the defense overall um some interesting statistics from this game for sure like you don't often go uh four or 14 uh on third down as a defense like that's a great success rate um right around 30 percent uh and then also give up almost 500 yards so there is a lot to break down here, a lot to try to make sense of um, as we start high level and then zero in. Like, what did you make of what the defense did on Sunday? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, like it's with a group that's not playing great, uh, you know, in terms of like, uh, you know, I guess I guess what I'd say is like they're, they are like a, a middle of the road to bottom of the road or like middle tier to below average uh, group in the NFL right now. And when you watch kind of top flight defenses, I feel like they do a good job of, of finding explosive defensive opportunities. And so what I mean by that is they get turnovers, they get sacks, they, um, you know, they get a lot of TFLs, they get a lot of neutral runs. And that's just not how this team is built right now. Like they are a, they are the definition of Ben Bado break. And I look at this and, and I think the most interesting thing about breaking down this game is I watch every play, I chart every play is that obviously Seattle had a lot of uh, effective kind of offensive production, but they did, the, the defense did find moments where they were able to kind of say, hey, like we, we've just given up 50 yards of offense, but we're going to stymie this. Like even the first drive, right, where it ends in a field goal, you get a, a basically a TFL or a, ta- a tackle for no game by John after Jamin like runs through on a toss crack play. So great job identifying that, right? There's the screen that's almost intercepted. That's the very next play in that sequence. And then you get a cover two, um, cover two shell where they throw a check down and then um, uh, 36 and 29 make the tackle underneath. And it's, and it ends up being like a fourth and two and they kick a field goal. And so despite all of the kind of negative defensive production prior to that point, they end up with three points. And it's crazy. I mean, you you've looked at the game log, and I've looked at it too. It's it stayed very very tight until that last touchdown, pretty much. Um, and even there, like I think the thing that's so frustrating, and I'm not I'm not trying to absolve them. I'm not trying to make excuses, but like they did a good job of making plays when they had to make plays. Like even so, the next series, right? It's it ends uh, that drive ends at a punt. 
Benjamin St. Juice has a PBU on Lockett on a post down the field on a third and four. Great job. You know, and it's like some of their some of their defensive production was because the offense played bad. Like on that series where Benjamin St. Juice has the PBU, they Seattle runs like the most ridiculous inside zone of all time, and it ends up being third and six. You're like, that was a way you wasted a down. You wasted a down. Or Ben's or um or Geno Smith misses someone in the flat. That happened twice in this game. Gets mm-hmm. them to second and ten. They're able to maximize, get to a third and five, get off the field. But the point is they're getting off the field. And I think that's the thing that was really interesting about watching this game is they when they had to, they did that consistently until the second last drive of the game where it's fourth and five and Benjamin St. Juice gets the PI. And then that was their opportunity to get off. They don't get off. They go down and score. And then you get that 26 points. So that was the thing to me that was really fascinating is it wasn't, it wasn't always good. It wasn't always consistent. But when it had to be good or when it had to be consistent or when it had to be lucky, like let's call it what it is. Like when you, when you yeah. got to get a little lucky, you miss a throw, you, you miss a protection, you get a whole – like the, um, at the end of half, for example – uh, when they get the intentional grounding call, like they're in point, they're in a position. Seattle is to get points it's and total brain fart by Geno Smith. Like, what are you doing, man? But good for us. I, I forget what yeah. the exact score at the time was, but it's like nine nine. Yeah, it's and nine nine could, going in half, and that could have been nine to twelve easily, or nine to whatever, because you had f- f- uh, at least nine seconds to kind of run another play. I think so. So basically, what I'm saying is, like, was it always good? No. Was it always pretty? But in those, how many, what was the third down percentage? Four for? They're four for 14. Four for 14. But 10 times in that game, they did what they needed to do when they got off the field. And, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, they, there's a ton of chunk plays. Like I chart red and green in terms of defensive production in the graph. And you go down and it's like red, 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 red. There's a green, there's another green, there's a green, three and out. And you're like, how do you quantify that? You know, how do you quantify these 10, like not 10, but four consecutive 10 plus yard plays by them, a 10 yard run, a a 15 yard play pass to get to the sequence of three where it's good and they got off the field and they did it the whole game, except for the last drive until until the last two drives where they give up a touchdown and then they give up the game winning field goal. Um, And that's obviously the huge difference in the game is, is, you know, they're pretty stout. Uh, or like they they don't totally break until the end, yeah. but like I think I think what I would counter with um, to the extent that this is a counter, um, what I would add on my thoughts to is, does that inability to get off the field faster earlier wear you down to where you at the end can't bow up in the same way? Like, are you making it so difficult on yourself? that you are exhausted by the end and I tend to and especially in a game where like you lose James Smith Williams so your defensive line rotation becomes uh, different than what you thought um you know Emmanuel Forbes is out so your your D-backs are in a different situation than you thought um so like you're a little bit shorthanded uh and I I tend to think the answer is yes like football is hard I, I don't have to tell you you played it for 10 years but like being an NFL game is hard and it wears down and your ability to yeah. stay fresh by the end of it is going to be hard. And especially on the defensive side of the football, when you've played 80 plays by the end of the game, like PFF had it at 80 snaps. Yeah. Like that's that's way too many snaps. And part of that is we'll talk about is like, can the offense help you out a little bit and sustain some more drives? But it's also, can you get like the number one reason they play 80 snaps is they can't get off the field faster. 
And yeah. so I, to answer your like kind of hypothetical question, that's not really that hypothetical of like, how do you grade that is like, I grade that is not very good. Like mm -hmm. I grade that is not the worst thing ever because you do ultimately get off the field 10 out of 14 times on third down, but you also give up a couple of fourths, or at least the one fourth. The one. Um, yeah. You help you help them out a there, couple there was of two, times. There was, two, there was two fourth downs. There was a fourth and one where they got with a tight zone, um, and then I think they got off the field on that drive, and then the next drive, it's the fourth and five, the PI, DK Metcalf. Right, you know, uh, and there's, there's four first downs you give up on penalty. Like, yeah. you help them out a ton, and so you wind up shooting yourself, and it kind of catches up with you at the end, and thus, I think it's hard to say, well, you can, you can say like, hey, the four, the four for 14 on third down was good. That's also who Seattle is. Like Seattle, yeah. Se that's right on par with who Seattle has been all year. How do you get off the field and not give up the 64-yarder and, and some of these? Like, Seattle that's had more explosive yeah. plays in this game than they had basically all year. They had more 10-plus play drives in this game than they had basically all year combined. Yeah. And so... Uh, I would say that's not very good defensively, even if they did come up big in some key situations, because it ultimately culminates in you not being able to do it in the, while well, you did it in some big moments, you couldn't do it in the biggest of moments, probably because you've been on the field so much and are exhausted. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably more offense related. And we'll talk about that more when the offense is up, but uh, I think that's, it's, a, it's all valid. I think, uh, you know, the other one that's tough is the explosive play to, um, Walker. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ken and, uh, Again, like, you know, um, Percy gets a lot of heat for missing that tackle, but Danny Johnson misses the tackle first, you know, mm -hmm. like he's supposed to come up and make that tackle. So, uh, obviously, um, I don't know. I, so that, that's, a, that's a really interesting kind of thought experiment. And I think it's, it's somewhat compelling in the sense that as an offensive player, if we're not scoring touchdowns, we're, that's a lost drive for us and in, in my perspective. And so I don't care how many plays we have, how many yards we have. There was um, in 2010, uh, we were when Kyle first was here or 2011, I forget exactly when it was. We were the fourth rated offense in yards per game that year. And we were the 26th ranked offense because we couldn't score points. Like we kick field goals, we do all that stuff. And so to me, I always go back to that. And I'm like, if you're not scoring points, I don't really care how many yards you get. You got to score points to win the game. And so um, to your point, I think that there is there. Yes. Could they be better? Absolutely. But did they essentially do what they were supposed to do? Quote unquote. And again, I think there's this expectation with this defense that they are going to be better than they are. I think we need to acknowledge the fact that they're like a middling defense. And I, think they're, I mean, statistically, they're worse than that. They're the yeah. worst team in the league in yards per game and they're the second worst scoring defense. Um, right. I have to check the updated like DVOA numbers, but like they're, they're a bottom five unit. So I, I'm, I, my expectation is pretty low, but for them to get off the field pretty consistently on third down when they had to is a big deal. Now, that explosive play is a backbreaker. So, like, they get that explosive play, that's the only touchdown they have in the first three quarters of the game, right? Is that correct? The uh, the, wa the Walker Walker touchdown? Um, I believe so. I've and then the last – then, then it's the last, the last drive of the game or the second last drive of the game. Lockett gets a touchdown on a fourth yep. down conversion. So – I don't yeah, know, it's man. the third quarter touchdown to Walker and then the, the one to uh, lock it in the fourth. And I hate to be like, that's the difference in the game, but ultimately that's the difference in the game is an explosive catch and run on a check down that I forget when it happened, but I remember thinking like that's second and 10 and that should be third and four. You know what I mean? So like, again, I'm not absolving them of anything, but in terms of playing 
playing good in specific situations when they had to and limiting offensive scoring to field goals, they did that. And for a group that's been struggling, that's my expectation. And that's good. And they found a way to kind of make Seattle be Seattle. And you want to say that's who Seattle is. And I get that because that's who they are. They've been bad on third down all year. But you got to take advantage of it. You got to keep them being bad on third year on on third down. And I think they ultimately did a good job of that. And I think you saw some pretty good performances from Jamin. I thought, especially against the run, did a very nice job. Percy, I know he missed the tackle, but this is probably his best game that I've seen yeah, him play. PFF had him as their highest graded player. He was awesome. He made a ton of tackles down the field. He made a ton of like big time. Uh, there was a Zach Charbonnet run where he like fights off the receiver. And then makes a tackle that probably would have been a touchdown. Great job. He did some great stuff in coverage. He had a tackle for loss that sets up the fourth and five. So great job by him. But great job. And then John, I thought John showed sh shades of traditional John Allen in this game from a pass run standpoint, really compressing the pocket, working well with Casey Tuhill. So there were some bright spots uh, defensively. But ultimately, like that's the nature of defense in the NFL is – is you got to be good for four quarters and for whatever reason, you know, they could be tired. I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated with the offense's production for those for the second and third quarter. And I think you really let your defense out there to dry because when you give an explosive offense, more opportunities, which is what this offense did, they're going to, they're going to find ways against a, a defense that's struggling to score points. And that's what they ultimately what happens here. Right. So um, I, I think that to me is the bigger issue, but ultimately for a defense that's struggling to get off the field consistently on third down, limit them to field goals outside of the explosive play and outside of the last drive is pretty good. And I thought, I thought Jack called a pretty good game. It wasn't a perfect game, but he called a pretty good game. And it's just about, you got to make some plays. And, you know, we talked about that the other day and they yeah. just didn't do that enough. And again, I wish there was some like great analysis here, but, they did a good job of getting off the field on third down until they didn't. And then that led to points and, yeah. or, or explosive plays. And that's something we talked about on the pregame show is the stinking explosive plays. And right. the, the play that they score on is not the one that I had envisioned in my head, but nope. that ends up being a deciding factor in the game. So I think it's important here to like delineate between the micro and the macro, right? In a micro sense, micro meaning like smaller and for my purposes in the context of the game, I agree with everything you're saying, right? Like they, the relative to expectations, the defense kind of did their job. Like they're just not good. Um, and so they played to their relative, not They didn't play worse than usual. Um, they played, they got off the field. Like they, they forced a bunch of stuff. Um, they're on the field too much and they don't create any turnovers. And those are the things that wind up costing you. And like at the end of the day, unfortunately, their normal is not good enough to win consistently in the NFL, but it did give you a shot in this game. And we'll get to the offense when we get to the offense. I think it's important to point out though, that like in the macro, that's a problem. <laughs> like in, uh, in, uh, in, no in, one's saying it's not a problem. Right. No one's saying it's and, not a and problem. And I just think it's like important to acknowledge that as people are like screaming at their, whatever device they're listening or watching on is like, that's not for the long-term health of the team. That's obviously unacceptable. And that's going to have to be answered for like when they have their, their season ending meetings and sit down and go like, okay, well, Hey, the defense, whatever. It's like, yeah, no, you guys were t pretty terrible. Uh, I, I looked it up. They're 30th in, in DVOA now uh, on defense. So like no matter what stat you look at, it's really bad on defense. And that's not good when you had a defensive head coach and 
Um, obviously, the DC has had a pretty up and down tenure here, but you've had four years to build it, and this is at the end of the day what you built. Like that's that's not good. But within the context of this game, I think they like Jack did call. Like I thought he had a good plan. You know, yeah. Seattle had not been able to sustain drives all year and it's like okay we're gonna make you sustain drives they proved they could against this defense which again macro not good micro okay how do you adapt and adjust he starts bringing a little bit more pressure that kind of works until the moment that it doesn't but right. the problem is no plan is execution proof no plan is good enough if your players don't make plays and i'm talking little plays of like not missing tackles just make the, the tackles you're in position for um, and that's Danny, that's Percy, et, et cetera, on the, the big play. Or can you go out and, and make something special happen? Can you, you know, Ron talked about this um, either post game or on Monday, one of his two press conferences, I can't remember which, but he's like, you know, we had our hands on balls and couldn't get interceptions. Like we got to make those plays and that's going to, that's going to help us get off the field before the third down. And, and I think that is the thing that like you look at and you go, okay, well, why, if they're able to be four of 14 on third down, why is it so bad? And it's because they never can really help themselves by doing anything extra. They haven't been creating turnovers with any regularity. They're only able to kind of accept gifts from a guy like Desmond Ritter. And that is an unsustainable way to play defense in the NFL if you want to win football games. Yeah, and I think when you look at like the top flight defenses, like we talked about, I talked about that at the start of this kind of conversation is they're able to find like what I would call like a defensive explosive, like something that just right. puts the offense in a tough position. Like I think back to the um, the New York game, for example, and that defense is not good, but they were able to find what I would characterize as explosive plays for the defense and sacks, tackle for losses, unblocked pressures, all those types of things, because it's much more difficult to operate an offense in second and 15 than it is in first or second and five. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. And I, and you know, and I think it's important to acknowledge some deficiencies in the plan. Um, obviously, like there was some, I thought, you got to give your tip your hat to Seattle here and to a certain extent, like when they get in Cinco, they try to run the ball a little bit and then they realize, Hey, why are we trying to run the ball? They have, they have less coverage players. Let's just throw these comebacks to DK unlock it and get these nice 12, 15 yard chunks. And that I get hats off to Seattle. That's one of the things about having explosive playmakers on offense is it just lets you touch the field in a way that's very unique. And I do think as much as we want to kind of, poo-poo Gino's season this year I think he he was very efficient in this game taking those opportunities and making big time throws like on the last drive for example the play the play that leads to that fourth down sequence where Benjamin St. Juice gets the PI is a 20 yard completion on a play pass to Tyler Lockett where he kind of layers it over Jamin Davis's outstretched oh, fingertips that throw is sick and he had a couple of those in this game that were that were I don't want to say elite, but borderline elite. And so I, I think Jamin's in a pretty good spot. I, I think the coverage is pretty good, and that's a good throw. Even on the touchdown, we, which we just watched, to Lockett, and you can argue about St. Juice's position or whatever, but he is draped over Lockett's back. His hand is reaching for the football, and Gino puts that a yard and a half outside the pylon, and Lockett keeps his feet in bounds, and it's – I don't know how you defend that, really. You know, like he's his position's good. So, like you said, there's – there no defensive call no technique is 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 kind of offensive execution proof and I, and i'm not absolving the defense of any responsibility here but i think it's important to acknowledge that seattle did some good things offensively they had some creative run schemes they blocked effectively and it's it's tough when you have these dynamic playmakers you're going to have light boxes and you saw that a couple times in this game so 
ultimately it comes down again to that third down number for me in that they did enough 10 times in this game to get off the field. They limited this explosive offense to three points multiple times. And it comes down really to the, to, to the explosive play really, which is so, so frustrating because that's a, that's a gimme. That's a freebie that they got because it's two missed tackles. And then it's the, um, it's the, it's the t- last touchdown drive of the game where you get it on a fourth and five. So I, I hate to break it down to like two moments, but ultimately prior to that, I think what's the score to that? It's 16 or 19, 19, right? Yeah. And like, that's a, pre- like step back midway through the fourth quarter. That's a pretty good defensive performance. And then all of a sudden you need to make a play when you got to make it. And again, they're, they haven't been playing super well. They haven't been super efficient, but um, like, that's my perspective is that right. that fourth down numbers, it's a strong number. Like, I don't know what to say. And they, they Seattle wasn't able to capitalize on it. Yeah, 19 the th- points. The third down number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I hear you. Um, and you have to be able to finish. And like, this is, this is kind of my mantra. And it's funny. Cause like, there's definitely been, I can't remember which team it was, but in recent memory, there was a team that, and it might've been one of these teams that was like finish. And that was their thing on their, their t-shirt right. throughout the year. Yeah. And like, you know, that's the problem. And, and the, you know, there's good players in this league and there's good players on basically every team in this league. And the difference is like, are you going to do it 90% of the time? Like most teams, or are you going to do it hundred percent of the time? And that's how you win. And so yeah. these margins are so small, which I appreciate you, you know, pointing out. And it's just, that is what it is. It's even the, it's like even the one with St. Juice at the end of the game, right? You're in two man. I like the call, you know, like the call for two man. And then St. Juice is defending a corner. I understand the situation. Like, yeah. But you, you got to make the play. And and I think it's those – those and so what I would say is that outside of like five plays defensively, and this is this is the nature of this defense, and this is what we're going to talk about every single week with this defense until the end of the season, is they played pretty good. And I'm not even going to say pretty good. I feel like there were times where like they struggled. It's like they were reeling a little bit, but they found a foothold in certain moments and are able to get off the field. So good for them. That's what you're supposed to do defensively. And like I think about the fumble that they got, um, Seattle got on the Sam Howell thing. That mm-hmm. that's a three and out. Like who would have thought this defense right. would get a three and out in that situation and get zero points? So there was a, they got a little lucky, they got a little good, but ultimately because of the third down thing, they're in they're in a competitive ball game until the last two drives of the game, and because of the explosive play that I keep going back to that explosive play. It like just I want to grind my teeth. It's so frustrating because that that is. That's a huge, a huge, a huge play yeah. in this game. And it's one that it's one that they consistently let up is that kind of right. random. I think that's explosive. the frustration is like that's not that's the rule, not the exception. Right. And if and, it was if that was an exception, you'd be like, dang. But if it's like every week, it's like, well, yeah, of course they gave one up. They always give one up. Yeah. Thank God it was only one this week instead right. of you know, instead of three. Um, but at the same time, like they gave up a ton of explode like non-touchdown explosives as well. Um, yeah. even if they bowed up after and were able to get off the field, like it's harder to win that way because the field position game sucks and your time of possession sucks and you wind up wearing yourself down and all those things that we talked about. Um, last thing I would like to touch on real quick is the D line. Um, yeah. you know, they obviously don't generate a ton of pressure. Um, they don't get the sacks. Um, now I think it's worth saying because some people want to bring up the trades like, that was the case generally before. Sure. Um, it does feel like there's less pressure, which I would say is to be expected. But what is what is going on with that D line? And and I'm also curious, I, I flagged this the other day. Like, 
when James went out compared to when FA came in? Like, was there a, a another drop off with FA playing a little bit more and, and the young guys coming in versus kind of the, the more solid play of a James Smith Williams? Yeah. I mean, I think James is a good football player. So I think you, it, and it, he's, he's a solid football player. He does what he's supposed to do. And FA, you know, I think he had like a 75 pass rush grade in this game based on PFF because right. he does, he creates pressure. The problem is he's kind of, I don't want to say he's doing what he wants to do, but he's a little bit more. He's, yeah, he does a little more freelancey stuff. And his run, run grade was like a 20-something. Yeah, and I think that's what you see. And I think with James, you know, he'd probably grade in the low 60s, high 50s, but he's going to do what he's supposed to do. He's going to be where he's supposed to be, and he's going to generate three to four pressures a game. And ultimately, like when you look at this, I think that the defensive production with the, with the four guys, so James, Payne, Allen, and Casey – is approximately the same as what it was when Chase was here at Chase and Montez. And that's going to sound crazy, but I think you're getting elevated play from John. And I think he ends up with a 75 pass rush grade and he looks like John Allen. He's playing more confidently. You can tell him in case you're communicating before the snap, Casey's covering for him and John is more confident. And I think that's awesome. Um, I think there are still issues like with that group in terms of consistent communication and getting all four guys on the same page. Like there's the um, there's the play. I mean, talk about being so close to being an explosive play. Casey um, Tuhill beats the uh, the left tackle on a pass rush, has a free run to the quarterback, and if there's any type of internal pressure there from John or Payne, then it's probably a sack fumble because the ball is out crazy. He steps up a little bit. Uh, Payne has gotten pushed out of his gap. There's a huge hole in the middle, and he scrambles for 15 yards. Thankfully, that's the drive that ends up in a um, ends up in the uh, del- intentional grounding, and they don't get any points out of it. But right. those types of things from this defense, it's just about getting that consistently with consistently with all four guys. So I think they're playing they're playing fine. You know, they're not playing great. I think John showed flashes of old John, so on the verge of greatness. Payne had a two TFLs, but I think the consistency from a pass rush standpoint hasn't been there. So that's really frustrating, but um, that I think they're playing okay. And uh, that's, that's kind of how this defense is playing. Like they're playing, you know, Jamin had 10 tackles and they were all pretty good, but you know, he doesn't make the, 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 he doesn't tip the ball on the, um, on the Tyler Lockett play. And is that his fault? Is that just kind of how things have been going for this defense? So I think, um, I think to fans, the fan perspective, it wasn't like they were playing great when Chase and Montez were here. And I think you're getting elevated play from John, which is really important. I think you're getting good play from Payne in the run game. And I think those two guys on the edges are just playing more cohesively with those guys. And so as that goes, I think they're gonna I think you're gonna get better performances from those interior guys. We'll see if those edge guys can start having some more um pass rush production as well. So Yeah. I think I think that's the biggest thing. It's like playing fine, but you need production. And that's yeah. kind of like I mean, that's Eventually, the defense, though. Yeah, that's the you got like, to make plays. And this just isn't a defense with guys that are making plays. And that's going to be why they finish in the bottom five of everything. Um, yeah, you have and, to. Like, NFL offenses are too good to not make plays as a defense. Because, like, if you have to defend a full field every single drive, you're going to break down. And it's just not going to happen. And, yeah, I think that's um, really good insight. Yeah, for sure. So, that's, I mean, the unfortunate reality. Uh, but that is... But, that is and where I, this defense is. And I think about like what they identified this offseason, the staff, and they said, oh, we need to get more turnovers. And that's 100% true. And they just haven't been able to get it done. And, um, you know, I think you're kind of banking on Forbes. And, you know, one thing we talked about, like if Forbes is in this game and he's matched up with DK, like 
because I, he had five snaps against DK and I thought he had a really good plan for him. So what does that look like over the course of the game? You know, when Benjamin say juice would have been the nickel fuller would have been the other outside guy. I don't know if that's the difference in the game, but maybe, yeah. you know, like maybe that that's enough of, uh, of helping guys out kind of being in the roles they prepped in the week. I, I wish they could replay that game to see, but, um, yeah. it's, uh, do it again this weekend. We yeah, don't want to watch the giants. It's yeah, seriously. Jeez. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Take Command Podcast, continuing on here with Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. You can come hang out with us ahead of Giants and Commanders this weekend at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor for the Take Command pregame show. And if you can't come out in person, make sure that you check us out live on YouTube, on the free Odyssey app, or on your radio, 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. All right, the offense. Um, they score 26. Uh, that's not a terrible number, obviously. They have they they made plays when it mattered late uh, and were able to break down the Seahawks defense with the the nice drive. Uh, Sam finding Diami for the game-tying touchdown. But there's inefficiency throughout the game. So uh, much like the defense, like there's a mixed bag. I think we're talking about this relative to expectations and what we we see as possible for this unit at this point. Where Where do you ultimately land after watching the film? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously the defense, I, it's kind of like they flipped. I thought the defense played good early, kind of for the first three quarters or relatively good, you know, like for them, relatively speaking. And I thought the offense kind of played, they struggled a little bit, you know, they couldn't really find their feet. And it's something that we we kind of thought uh, might be an issue. And everyone says, oh, well, they, you know, had a touchdown early on the first drive. And I look at that and I'm as an offensive player and coordinator and all those things. And I'm like, that's, it's a little bit lucky, right? You get sure. a little bit lucky. Sam breaks the pocket. But it shows it. you, by the way, the value of a playmaker, right? 100%. Like you make, you make plays. It doesn't matter how you drew it up. Like just go make the play. And and you'd rather in any, in any specific instance in life, you'd rather be lucky than good. However, luck is not a good strategy. No. And I think, you know, it's a great play by Sam. It's a great play by B-Rob, but it's not, like a design play. And I think when you look at the offense's production for the first, how many drives is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, six drives of the game, seven drives. It's, it's, they have two explosive plays to be Rob and everything else is a little bit meh, you know? And I think that's where there's like a little bit of frustration. It's like, well, why aren't they being efficient? Um, and, um, and the efficiency doesn't come till later in the game. And if they had been more efficient in that second quarter specifically, they have three consecutive three and outs. And that's yep. tough. And, and we're talking about the defense being fatigued. If you're able to go on a 
eight play drive and kick a field goal, eight play drive and punt. I think the dynamic of that fourth quarter situation is a little bit different there. So um, I, I was I was a little frustrated watching it back. It was more frustrating than I thought it would be. Honestly, the first first two quarters specifically. Obviously, the B Rob stuff is great. It's a it's two explosive plays. Sam's elevating. Sam did some good stuff. Uh, I thought in terms of maturation, understanding where the ball needs to go and getting the ball out of his hand. There was a free runner on a third and four. Um, Adams is blitzing. Backs in the flat, hits Gibson. He kind of does the 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 tightrope up the sideline. Great yep. job understanding the pressure, understanding the protection. But I don't think there was enough kind of plays made early on. And obviously, you saw kind of the explosion of plays later in this game. But um, but prior to that, I, I couldn't really. They didn't really find their feet necessarily. They they made a nice throw here, nice block there, okay run here, and it just they couldn't stack anything. And I think that was the thing that was really frustrating. Even out on the second big, uh, second B Rob explosive play, they don't score on, they, they ends up with a field goal, but you know, it's a, it's like a 50 or 48 yard play that leads to essentially nothing. Cause you think you'd be able to kind of maximize that into a touchdown, but it ends up being a field goal. So, um, I don't know if that answers the question, probably a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it starts to, which is why we have a podcast and, you know, we can talk things out and, and go at length, which is fun. There's no clock being like, hey, guys, go to commercial break. Um, so I would get, I guess then I would ask, like, where did it break down, right? Is that a, a play calling issue where there's like no rhythm developed, no balance, and Seattle's kind of on to what they're doing? Is it Sam missing, whether it's physical throws, which I don't think there's a lot of in this game, no, he just misses so. guys, but like, is he missing reads and ball should go somewhere else and you miss an explosive play here, an explosive play there? Is it, um, you know, the receivers, I think we should definitely talk about because the lack of production from them in this game is fairly stunning. Like, it's pretty amazing they scored 26 considering the how bad the receivers were from a production standpoint in this right. game. But, like, what does the process look like? That's the reason we do this film breakdown is to look at the process and try to understand why the production is what it is. So what what was it about what this offense was doing that was causing the inefficiency for the first three quarters of the game, but especially in that first half? Well, so I think one of the things that stuck out to me anyway is that I thought um, EB had a pretty good plan for cover three or how, how cover three traditionally plays. And one thing about Seattle, because they do run a lot of cover three and they have a, like a lot of variations of their cover three, they kind of know what hurts them. They know what hurts them from a route concept standpoint. So you'd run like a um, – like a stop, like a like a fifteen yard stop with a wheel behind it, and usually that smokes cover three because the corner matches the stop. The hook player's got to carry this vertical, and then you get one of those guys open. Yeah, they tried they tried that tight end wheel, running back wheel a ton in this a, game. A and bunch it never hit, and it never hit. They tried something in the red zone with Logan Thomas where they run a sail and go, also great versus cover three, and just seeing how well Seattle matches that. You know, they kind of were like, we can match the heck out of this. Let's push this guy, push this through, push this over. Let's bump this over. Oh, the hook player knows he's got to carry the wheel. And they've got these fast athletic linebackers. So I thought that was something that kind of stuck out to me. You know, much like I thought Shane Waldron offensively had a good feel for what Jack was doing defensively. And Jack did a pretty good job of subverting some of that expectation. And then it was kind of this chess match that ultimately falls down um, in the in the last in the last quarter of the game. I felt like offensively, um, Eric Bieniemy had a vision of how this game was going to go, 
And then as they went, it was like, oh no, all these cover three beaters aren't being as effective as we thought. And, you know, we talked about some of these throws where, you know, Terry's open on a hitch. Can Sam fit this ball in there? There's a little bit of pressure. He checks it down maybe a little bit early. There's stuff like that. But again, like you alluded to, like that happens every single yeah. game, you know? So you like, go watch, you go watch an old Tom Brady game and you, there's uh, seven throws in a game where you're like, dang, man, you could have, you could have chucked that one to, to the deep guy and you just took the, you took the underneath route, but it, you know, you're not going to go broke making a profit. And that's, that's ultimately process wise, probably pretty good football from Sam. Yeah. And I thought the other thing that, especially early in this game, I don't think they ran the football overly efficiently. You know, we post game, we talked about run the ball. And when you go through the sheet, it's like two yard gain, zero yard gain, five yard gain, zero one, you know, they, they weren't very efficient. And I, I, it's not a huge deal, but it, it does matter when you're in second and nine and how you call your game. And I felt like some of the quick game stuff right after I felt was a little bit less effective, but I also felt like after rewatching it, they, um, it was a little bit, they were able to hit some stuff there that I thought was nice in terms of production. It just didn't string. It didn't stack. You know, they had a screen called the B Rob. I think it was in the second quarter where it's wide open. Seattle's running a line stunt. So like stunting away from it. Chris Paul is like working to the screen and like bumps into the guy that's looping. And the guy, as he bumps into him, sees the screen and is able to make a tackle for a one yard gain. And you're like, that type of stuff happened with some regularity in this, where it's like the, the call was good. They made a play or hey, we thought this concept was going to be good. Didn't work out. Or we got a run that was stuffed. Didn't work out. And it was really like that for the majority of the game until you get to that sequence in the, uh, what quarter was that in the, um, in the fourth quarter, start of the fourth quarter yeah. where they had the 15 yard run, 14 yard run, five yard run. And then they get that touchdown to Gibson to finish that drive off. Like it was a slog for them. They weren't overly efficient offensively. And I think like that was something that we were a little bit concerned about, like with the Seattle defense, because they're so fast and dynamic and athletic, like how, how, how this offense would handle it. I, I love the composure of Sam. I love the playmaking ability of Sam because they did find plays to running backs and things like that throughout the game. But it was, it was tough sledding until, until probably, uh, probably the fourth quarter, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. I started my show on Monday being like, you guys expect me to come here and light this team on fire because they lose this terrible game. But I'm going to start with something positive, and that's that Sam Howell's playing good football. Because if, if like, we're being honest, the most important thing for the rest of the season and has been for the last couple of weeks is Sam Howell and is he the guy moving forward and all that kind of stuff, that big, gigantic, franchise-altering question. And he is continually pushing the needle towards yes. Like, if you had to make the decision right now, I would certainly, or if I had to make the decision right now, I would be like, yes, Sam Howell is our starter in 2024. Um, who wants to come, you know, who wants to come work with him? And that would be where I'm at right now. He is showing the composure. He's showing that the moment is never too big from him. for him. He's showing big time throws. He has taken his pressure to sack uh, percentage number way down or sack to pressure number way down. Um, I believe PFF had it at 13.9% in this game. Remember that number was 39% earlier in the season. So he is showing growth in every single area and he's showing a level of consistency that I think is, is, is crazy impressive. But what's, what's kind of nuts is like, he's the reason they're competitive. Yeah. And, and for a team that has as much firepower weapon wise as this team has, like you, we talked about uh, on the defensive side of things, 
how having explosive playmakers just gives you more opportunities as an offense. And you see the impact of DK and Lockett and Smith and Jigba and like what they can do with their running backs. And Shane Waldron does a phenomenal job of that. And Gino has just kind of got to distribute and let those guys make plays. The commanders are feel like the opposite. It's like they have Curtis, they have Terry, they have Jahan, they have Logan, they have these backs that we really like. And then Sam has to make magic out of stuff because why? And like, that's the thing I don't really understand because EB is really smart. They've got concepts that they work that work in this game. It, it felt like the feel for it wasn't necessarily there where, as you talked about, like they had things that were good on paper, but when they didn't work, like it took them forever to find the adjustments and the real production comes from Sam creating something out of nothing. And yeah. I think that is not an ideal situation for a quarterback who still has started less than 15 games in his NFL career. Yeah, and I think I, let's just run through the first couple of drives because I think it helps kind of maximize what you're saying. And so obviously you get the the TD to B Rob, and uh, you know B Rob deserves a ton of credit. But to me, this is Sam's play, right? He yeah. escapes his pocket. There's a pressure. He brings the flat players up, hits B Rob. Great job. Second drive, it ends up in a punt, right? So they do some good things on this play, right? Like there's, but again, the so they first and ten zero yard run. Second and ten, it's this bow concept. So you know, sit in cut. And it's covered perfectly by Seattle. There's nowhere to go with the football. Sam scrambles to his right, attacks the line of scrimmage. Bobby Wagner steps up. Sam over the top. Easy completion to him, right? Then there's an incompletion. There's a screen that doesn't work. Then Sam checks it down to Gibson on third and 13 for nothing. So even in that sequence, like Seattle, I thought, did a really good job of matching concepts. And the two productive plays they had on their first 10 plays were Sam kind of elevating the offense. And that's, I think, kind of speaks to your point, is that's kind of what it was. There wasn't a lot of easy stuff. Now, on the field goal drive, I think they did a great job of getting the concepts that they like. You know, they, um, they on the third and two with 14-12 uh, in the second quarter, they run shallow cross, which is something that we've seen them run since day one of training camp. It's an, it ends up being kind of a, an explosive play to Logan Thomas where, you know, there's like mm -hmm. a little bit of a pick by Bates. So there was some stuff like that. But I think on the whole, it was – the stuff they thought was going to work and hit didn't really work. And Sam kind of had to elevate. And so the stuff that was really successful, surprisingly, was like the quick game stuff, which, I, you know, le leaving the game, I wasn't like, oh, the quick game was great. But that was the stuff that kind of worked for him. And um, and Sam making plays off schedule. Like he, the second play to B-Rob is a Sam off schedule play. And if they didn't get that kind of production from Sam, like when they get in that sequence of three and outs, like I think that's the other thing is Seattle's defense – made a couple of big time plays, um, you know, on the first three and out, they get a sack 99 beats Chris Paul on a pass rush and pass for all, yeah. and hit Chris Paul. What happened on game. that play, by the way, it looked like to, when watching it back that Paul thought he was going to have help, like his either just totally lost it technique wise, but it looked like he was trying to like push it back into Larson and Larson's tied up with, with blocking one-on-one. -on -one. So did he just like miss understand what was happening? Like what happened there? Well, I think um, it, it was like a zero pressure or zero-ish type of pressure. So right. it's a kind of an all-out blitz. And in that look, if you, you're you kind of expecting them to be sound as they rush. And I think um, Leonard Williams kind of vacates the B gap going back to the A gap. And you don't really expect that, honestly. If you're the guard, you kind of expect them to rush the B gap. But I really think that maybe Chris... You still got to like stay in front of him. 100%. 100%. Yeah. You don't, you don't yeah. expect it. So, like, that's one thing about guys that kind of get, like, the um, 
get the keys to the car, so to speak, is like JJ Watt's a good example of this. Like when you play outside of scheme, it is actually helpful for your individual production because you're supposed to be doing something. The offense knows you're supposed to be doing something and you kind of release that opportunity and it ends up being kind of, it, it surprises the, the, the blocker more than anything. Like I remember the hardest guys I used to play with was like Von Miller because he would just go inside and lose contain. And you're like, there's no contain player to this defense now, but because he's Von Miller, he could do that kind of stuff. And I felt like Leonard Williams did that on that play, probably surprised him a little bit. And obviously you got to finish the play, but I'm saying the reason that's challenging, yeah. the reason it looks that way is probably because right. he was expecting right. something different. Um, and so, so then they get that play, right? Then there's the next sequence where there's an incomplete pass, right? They, they just couldn't find the rhythm outside of those explosive plays. And I think that was the thing that was, that was kind of frustrating, especially for the first half is like they had two really nice explosives on Sam kind of being Sam. They had one to Logan Thomas, which was great in the context of the offense, but I think that was the thing that was a little frustrating is that this defense for Seattle was they played well or they played them well and took away some of the stuff that I think EB was counting on for kind of explosive, easy throws, and it wasn't there. Love the stick-to-itiveness, love the competitiveness of the group. They kind of figured it out. Some late plays to Terry McLaurin on slants on third and shorts, fourth and shorts, great job there. But it did take a long time for them to get going, and I think that's one of the reasons I'm frustrated at the offense probably today a little bit is because I feel like everyone's being critical of the defense and rightfully so they should be critical of the defense, but the offense could have definitely helped them out earlier if they had been a little bit more efficient uh, specifically in that second quarter of this game. Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, this game, they, the two teams mirrored each other the entire game. Like the offenses struggled early. The defense has played pretty well early and then late fourth quarter, right. both offenses kick it into another gear and the defenses can't keep up right. um, probably in part because they're exhausted from the early game production. Um, it's more intense on the Seattle offense, Washington defense side of it, uh, by ultimately three points. But I, I think that, you know, that's why some of this stuff sounds almost inverse of what we were talking about on the defensive right, side of the ball. Right. It literally was, um, <laughs> the run pass split. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit here, but I just want to circle back to it. I, I know they weren't efficient, but I think you just have to live with some bad carries. Like philosophically, that is how I feel. You have to live with some bad carries. It's the equivalent of an incompletion in the pass game. Like you don't stop passing the ball because you have an incompletion. Don't stop running the ball because you have a two-yard gain. It's fine. The next one might hit. And I think, again, going back to the fact that so much of this offense is on Sam right now, I would love to see them take a little bit off of his plate not just to take some off of his plate because he seems like he can handle it right now and like kudos to him. But I think it also like you're starting to become way too predictable. And and Sam Cosme talked about this after the game in the locker room. He's like, we became one dimensional. Mm -hmm. And you you look at that that three drive stretch in the second quarter. It's nine plays, 408 total of possession. So you have th the entire quarter, your offense is on the field for basically less than five minutes. Um, I don't remember if that first drive started exactly in the second quarter, but it's your last three drives of the first half. You're right. on the field total for 408. Um, and that includes, by the way, actually 12 plays because you, you punted three times and that the time that Tressway kicks the ball in the air counts <laughs> in your time of possession. So your offense is on the field for less than four minutes of those, uh, those three drives and it's eight passes to one run. And like one of those drives is 53 seconds. And, yeah. you know, the difference between here's the difference between an incompletion and a zero yard run on a zero yard run the clock keeps ticking your defense is that's less time your defense is going to have to be on the field later 
And so I think that there's just a complementary nature to it. And I know I said this almost verbatim post game, but there's a complementary nature that this team is missing. And I think there's also the schematic advantages of keeping a defense honest that this team is missing. That even if you throw away a two yard run on a first and 10 or a second and what a second and 10 even, and you wind up in third and eight, like the next drive might be a little bit easier because the defense is going to have to play you more honest. And I think that is when this team gets into big ruts is when they become incredibly predictable and one dimensional. And you have to be able to sacrifice a little bit now for bigger production later. That's something we'd probably have to look at like longitudinally from the season, you know, like when they get in ruts, like what's the play call ratio. But what what I would say, and I'm going to push back on this till the end of time, is if you want to do that, like look at Seattle. I think Seattle is a pretty good example of what you're talking about. I think they ran the ball 26 times, something like that. Mm -hmm. They are hunting, hunting for good angles, good matchups, creative ways to find, um, to find positive runs. And I think that's the thing that if you're going to do it, you got to do it because I don't think Seattle had a lot of negative runs in this game. I don't think they had, I think maybe one of the 26 and you can live with that. As long as you don't take negative runs, you can live with that as an offensive play caller. And I think that's one thing that you can see it. You can feel it when EB's calling the game, he'll call a run and it's like kind of a token run. It's like single back power or counter or whatever it is. And it hits for zero and you can immediately you're like, Oh, he's, that he's off that now he doesn't want that anymore and so what i would say is like can you find ways to make your run game more efficient so what happened in the that drive uh in the second half where they were efficient they had the four straight big runs so they get to like outside zone stuff which i thought was pretty cool let me go back to my notes real quick so yeah they um so first off the the thing that i that i really when you look at the the runs in the first half which i think we talked about in our production meeting was like six or seven runs not overly efficient, mistargeted, guys losing one-on-ones. And they were kind of the base runs. They were kind of the runs that this team consistently runs. Single back power, counter. Um, they like to run weak with the fullback quite a bit. Um, and they just weren't very effective. And then you get to this this 15-yard run. It's outsides on the left. It's nothing super complicated. The thing that sticks out to me is that it's targeted correctly. So early in the game, they ran, a, they ran weak, basically. Um, Washington did. And they bring... 21 Devin Witherspoon down in the box as like a strong safety type player and you can tell that they don't know how to target that run or what I would call force it's not weak so the difference between weak is that you're running it away from the tight end force you're running it to the tight end so you're running it to the tight end the the tackle tight end combination the front side is going to Witherspoon the fullback is also going to Witherspoon meaning that the middle linebacker the Sam linebacker in this case is free and ends up making the tackle so that's something that kind of pops up consistently is teams that run the ball well, they know where they target their runs. They're effective at it. They know where to go. And so when you look at the 15-yard the gain, everyone's targeted correctly. It's outside zone. There's no fullback. Um, the first combination goes to Witherspoon. Hey, he's the first guy in the box. Let's block that guy. Second combination goes to the next guy. And guys win their one-on-one matchups. And it's a little bit of a – they kind of subvert expectations a little bit because in that single back look, like I said, they've been – they, they like to run Wanda, they like to run Pop, and they like to run GT. And so getting out of that a little bit I thought was helpful. And, and the fact that the run was targeted correctly. But you don't get that run targeted correctly unless you put a little bit of time into it and kind of address that in the week. And I think that's something that you can tell. They just don't – it's not part of them, their offensive identity. Seattle, you can tell. The receivers know who to block. The tight end knows who to block. The fullback knows who to block. They have motions and shifts to help cultivate 
angles in the run game. That's just not what this team is right now. And so you say you have to be okay with negative runs or neutral runs, excuse me. I think you don't have to be. If you if you're Kyle Shanahan, if you're Seattle, if you're Detroit. Well, sure, like positive is better than neutral. But but I'm saying but I'm saying they 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 have cultivated an offensive identity that they don't take negative runs. And if they do, the percentage is way down because of they've invested time into it. And I and we've talked about this at nauseum on this podcast, so it probably sounds like we're retreading old ground, which we are. But until they invest more time into it, this is what it's going to be. Th- this is going to be the relationship. And until yeah. the coordinator... I mean, de- go ahead. I just... I hear you. I just disagree with it philosophically. Like, philosophically, I do not think you can sustain an offense in this league at... I think they're at like 32.5% run on first and second down. And for the reasons that I said, like, I'm okay with neutral, like, EB might not be. I disagree with that. Most coordinators I, are not, is what I would say. And so, and, right. and I don't, and I, I'm with you, man. Like, there's like, a reason. By the that, way, philosophically, I'd also run this stuff during the week so that the run game could be more effective, which I know that, you agree with as that's well. That's what I'm saying is like, if yeah. you want, if you want to do this, if you want to run the ball more, you just need to put more time into it. That That's really what I'm saying. And like, you can just tell. They don't put as much time into it as other teams do that are good at it, that are really, mm-hmm. really efficient at it. They don't do that. And why is that? That seems, you know, Andy Reid, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I think fans are calling for this better ratio. It'll always be like this until the coordinator believes it and until they invest more time into it. And the offense has been effective in, under under certain parameters, not running the football a ton. And I get that. I agree with you. I think you want to run the football more, but I'm also of the ilk of the mindset here that it's if it's I want I want a semi-effective run game. I want I want it to be sure. productive, and I think that's where we're saying the same things. But one of the reasons why I think EB is so reluctant to engage with this run game is because it's not overly efficient, and he loses confidence in it early, and then he'll get back to it in the second half, which is what you see with this kind of cluster of explosive runs. That's great. But in order for you to believe in it, you got to rep it, and and he's got to see it, he's got to feel it, and he's got to be confident in it. Um, because if you're not productive with it, he's not going to call it. And I think that's ultimately what you're getting to is he doesn't trust it. But why doesn't he trust it is the question. And I think it, to me, it's because they don't put enough time into it in the week. And why don't they put enough time into it, or why don't they believe in it? I also think like when you watch teams that run the ball, they look a certain way. The, the, the targets look a certain way. The communication's a certain way. The combinations look a certain way. And that's just not who this team is right now. Yeah, no, I, I we're on the same page. Um, I just am like, the result of doing it this way is you're not going to win a ton. Um, and it's going to have an effect on your defense. It's going to make things harder for your offense. And that seems like a reason to do things the way that we're saying. And we're not asking for 60-40 even. Like, it's just, can it be... 65 35 would be an upgrade that's crazy like yeah. can it be can it be 63 37 we've now reached the end of my math skills but uh <laughs> that's that's really what i'm what we're looking for all right um anything else from the offense we're already running long but yeah uh, the sorry receivers, um, the receivers really quick maybe yeah i mean they i mean there were times where they were open open potentially but i thought that um seattle's coverage guys did a great job that back end did a really nice job kind of negating washington's receivers and making tight windows and i thought they they the coverage matched well with the rush and um you know i thought the o-line played okay um which is which is uh tough because i think chris paul had a pretty rough grade but like played well enough to win the game and it, but 
there were situations where there's a little bit of pressure. Sam can't see the throw down the field. The coverage is a little bit tighter. It's longer developing. It doesn't work out. So I think that was a huge thing. But also, I just got to say, maybe the best throw of the year, that last play for the touchdown to uh, to Brown. Like, holy cow. You talk about big-time throws. doesn't get more big-time than that. And so every week, Sam will do something. You're just like, like your jaws on the floor, like that throw it's over two Seattle defenders in like an impossibly small window, like maybe his best throw of the year. And yeah. that's one thing that gets you excited about him is he has this ability to make, to make plays back there. He's not a, a passenger to the offense. Like even when the offense was struggling early, like we talked about, they found explosive plays to be Rob. They, two of them, right. Of, of him kind of being creative outside the pocket. They found a, um, a 15-yard gain to Terry on on him vacating the pocket, making a play. And then that throw at the end of the game is – you're not going to find a better throw. Like, it was unbelievable. So and The thing I love, too, about that throw real quick from Sam is that, like, he does not vacate the pocket. Like, we've talked yeah. about him vacating clean pockets. Like, it, the O-line stood up, and instead of being like, oh, my God, my clock is going off, I have to get out of here, he's like, oh, I had time. All yeah. right, where can we go? And yeah. And then he delivers a dart. Yeah, and I think you see a nice maturation there from him with regard to that stuff. I thought he did a good job of getting the ball out of his hands versus certain pressure looks this week that that helped elevate the offensive line and bring down that pre- that sack that pressure to sack ratio. But um, yeah, I, I agree. Maybe run the ball a little bit more. The receivers were uh, were tough this week a little bit. You know, I think Terry had an okay game, made some big plays down the stretch in terms of kind of big moments on slants and things like that, but very quiet and i think it's because of how good that secondary was for seattle yeah all right that is take command for today a lot to chew on there um so we'll we'll see what they can figure out going ahead to new york again who's been their arch nemesis so we'll preview that game coming up on friday uh obviously don't miss take uh take five in between now and then so uh, we got some some fun stories on that tomorrow uh for logan i'm craig thanks for listening and watching if you're watching on youtube make sure you hit like and subscribe if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform subscribe to us there if you're not already and we'll see you next time on take Command.